may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter uh, 9. Genesis chapter 9. Genesis 9. Okay. I'm fixing to get after something tonight. Before we read the text, we'll stand when we read the text. Somebody said, why do we do that? Because that's what they did when they read the word. They stood. And we stand for honor. You know, you'd stand up. My mama taught me you stand up when a lady comes to the table. You know, you, you, you stand up. You open doors. So in a minute. <laughs> She's ready. She's ready. In a minute, we're all going to stand up. But I want to just... Um, Give a little intro here. I'm from New York. Brooklyn! <laughs> I'm from New York originally the first 18 years of my life. I was born on the Lower East Side at St. Vincent's Hospital on July 1st at 520-something in the p.m. And um, I love my state even though it's going awry. And... Um, it's not really been my spiritual home. My spiritual home is Hawaii, and don't want to get into all my story, but I was very, very grieved when Governor Cuomo came out with a redoing of the abortion law to get rid of the archaic law and allow now for full-term abortion. So basically, if you were the baby and you're going to be born that day on July 1st, they could kill you the hour before you come out of the womb. So just think about that. So I was grieved. I am grieved. And, um, and I pray that God would send uh, a great awakening before judgment. And I pray for Governor Cuomo to change his mind and for that law to be overthrown. Then what seems to happen across America is... More laws coming out. Virginia now has a, a heinous law that's up in, in Louisiana. And um, there has, and, and others. And there has come now a case before the Supreme Court. In the next few days, they're going to make a decision. I believe it has to come before Monday. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm going to decapitate this thing. Because a lot of people don't understand why abortion's not right. Why can't you just have an abortion and all that? Well, I'm going to show you why. And I'm going I'm to I'm talk about life. In fact, it's called Choose Life. And I'm not going to go all that long. I endeavor to move through it relatively quickly. And then the Lord allowing, I'm going to touch on some points of authority and dominion. And the right that we have, the responsibility that we have as Christians to pray the prayers and do the right. Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. What matters is this. This is what matters, okay, right here. Somebody said, man, you're pretty narrow-minded. I did, yep, it's about that narrow right there. I believe in the, in the Word of God, infallible, everlasting. Heaven and earth pass away, but His Word will remain forever. You want to do a study on why the Word of God is the Word of God? And uh, somebody handed me a, 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 
a copy of the Apocrypha uh, just recently, and I was just reading through it. It's, it's not considered God's Word, and there's reasons for that. It's interesting. It's intertestamental literature. That's the 400-year period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not included in the Bible that you have in your hand, in the Evangelical Bible, because it wasn't counted as God's Word. It failed certain proofs to prove lining up as God breathed. And what you hold in your hand was written by men under the inspiration. God breathed. God inspired men from all different walks of life. Those were royalty. Some were farmers, prophets and kings and priests and everything in between it three different continents, 66 different books, and it doesn't contradict itself, not once, no, no, not once, and if you find that it did contradict itself, it's only because you're uneducated to really understand the context and what it's saying, and the more you study about this, the more you study about God's Word, it, it, it makes sense why there's such, I mean, it's just a book, right? I remember Pastor Vince preached a message a long time ago about, about the book. It's just a book, it's just, if it's just a book, then why can't we have it in school? Because it is not just a book. It's God's Word. And if it really is God's Word, then it brings us to a place. It brings us to a place of decision. It, and it begins to point to us on what is right and what is wrong. And it talks about that, listen, as a Christian, we don't believe in many truths. We believe in absolute truth, which I'm holding in, our, in my hand right here. And some versions are not good. The New World Translation not good. It's changed. And, and I'm, I get concerned about some of the modern translations that were good that now they're changing things. And I mean, there's so many asterisks. And you said, well, then we just have to be able to read it in the, in the original language. Well, perhaps. But there's also scholars that have done a good job. And we need to study to show ourselves approved. So I want to look into God's word about why abortion is wrong. And I want to prove through God's word about the sanctity of life and why we're not like a dog. I just got a dog a little while ago. It's kind of like having a baby. But it is not a baby. It's a dog. You ready? Stand up on your feet. Take your Bibles. Genesis chapter 9. Thank you so much. DJ, appreciate you. Genesis 9, find verse 5. And we'll read through verse 7. Here we go. Surely your life blood, for your surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast, I will require it, and from the hand of man, from the hand of Every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever shed man's blood, by man's blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. Father, we thank and praise you for what you're going to do tonight and the importance of the hour that we're in in America. And I am mindful that as I preach tonight, I'm not only preaching to the beloved saints here in Alaska in this building. I'm mindful I'm preaching before a congregation that's online. I'm mindful I'm preaching before those who will listen to it at a later date. 
and that the effects I pray and have prayed, the effects of this message would be far-reaching, even into political halls, that it would have an effect at the highest level, and that you would send forth your word as we know that you do in Isaiah 55, and it does not return void. I'm also mindful tonight that I'm preaching before you and your angels and before Satan and his demons, and we declare that we've got authority and power because of your blood, your resurrection. And we are going to release that authority today to bind demon power and to loose victims and to see your plan brought about for America, for our lives, for the nation, for the nations of the world. We enthrone you and we declare that you're awesome. Why don't you put your best hand clap together for God? Come on, put your best hand clap together for God and give a big amen. Amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. I encourage you to fill those in as we move as we move along. One of the most tragic moments in Israel is these moments of apostasy. Apostasy means a falling away. When God's people would turn away from him, turn away from his word, from his decrees, from his laws, and begin to embrace false gods and idolatry. One of the gods that they embraced in the apostasies of the history of Israel is a deity called Molech. And the worship of Molech is evil. And so evil was the worship of Molech that God put in Leviticus, and I want you to turn there, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21. Israel set up the practice of the worship of Molech in the valley of Hinnom. They had these raging fires, and they would take their babies and throw the babies in the fires of Molech for favor and different things like that. And it was strictly forbidden because in the text in Genesis 9, mankind is made in God's image. And so in Leviticus 18.21, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Molech, nor shall you profane, now this is interesting, nor shall you profane the name of the, of your God, I am the Lord, profane. Profane means to blaspheme. So think about this, by destroying a baby in the fires of Molech, you say, we're not offering any babies to the fires of Molech. No, you're just killing them with instruments. It's the same thing. It's selfish. And it profanes. Think about that word. I mean, there's profane is to blaspheme. So literally by murdering a child, he's saying you're blaspheming my name because his name is in us because we're made in his image. Do you understand? In Leviticus chapter 20, in fact, there's a lot of sexual laws that you can look at in the book of Leviticus. I'm not going to go through them all. But the, but the text says in Leviticus that if a nation gives themselves over to these practices, that the land will begin to vomit them out. We have a great problem in America because sex has become a whole industry. Certainly not that which is expressed in covenant, loving, covenant marriage as it should be. Leviticus 20 and verse 3. I know it's a heavy word, but we're right on the edge. And I believe that tonight should pastors across the land 
and a church across the land begin to rise up and perhaps even fast over these next three days, it could be that God's going to overthrow Rule versus Wade. It's right within our reach. So wouldn't that be amazing if that bowl was just full of incense and God was going to do it? Come on, I don't want to shrink back. I'm, I'm just, come on, I'm, I'm lacing up the gloves. I'm going to go for a bit of an Esther fast here, and I'm going to push a little bit for the next few days because it could be these new, these new justices that have been selected not by accident, could literally vote to turn the overthrowing of Roe versus Wade in America since 1973. 60 million babies. 60 million babies since 1973 and climbing. Could go up to 60, 61 million. There's an abortion clock. You want to get freaked out, go pull that up. You know the little countdown timers till, you know, you know, 2020, the countdown timer, and it has how many days, and there's an abortion clock. Just type abortion clock, Google it, it'll come up. It'll show you all the babies killed since 1973 as a result. There's about 2,000 babies killed so far this year. Very small portion of those were through rape. We've got people that, well, if you're raped, then you, should have, then you shouldn't have that. You can do that. You can murder them. I'm getting ahead of myself. Leviticus 20, verse 3. I set my face against the man and will cut him off from his people because he's given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my, there it is again, profane or blaspheme my holy name. God hates the worship of Molech. God hates abortion. 1973, the court ruled a Roe versus Wade that abortion would be legal. Since that decision, the altar of Molech has been erected 46 years ago. 46 years. About 76,000 babies a year are killed in America alone through abortion. Let's look at this text. Human beings are sacred to God. In the text, it says, if you kill a human being, then your life will be taken. Now, that's, this is Old Testament's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But clearly, clearly, human beings are sacred to God because you're not part of the animal kingdom. You're, you're made in God's image. Whales are not made in God's image. Human beings are made in the image of God. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? You're sacred because you're made in God's image right in your nose. See, you're going to live forever. Where you live is dependent upon the decision you make now. Whether you're going to live for Jesus, you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you get to live forever in heaven. If you reject him and reject his salvation that's so freely given, free for us, costly for him, you reject that, then you'll live in hell when you die. So if you say, I'm not ready to give my life to Jesus. Well, you don't know when your life's over, so I wouldn't bet on, on just doing it right at the last moment. That's a bad plan. We're different. Um, we think in terms of mor morality. We think in terms of right and wrong. Dogs don't think. Cats, cats definitely don't think in terms of right or wrong. <laughs> you think in terms of beauty. I think in terms of beauty. I look at my wife, and she's a beautiful woman. She's beautiful. She's beautiful in every way, right? You know, dogs don't think like that. Animals don't think like that. Only human beings think like that. You ever said, hey, that's not right. That's not just. Think in terms of justice. Yeah, animals don't think in terms of justice. 
only human beings because they're made in the image of God. Look, you could do this right now. You could think about yourself thinking. Ready? Go. That's unique. Animal kingdom's not like that. Plant kingdom's not like that. You have a soul. You say, don't animals have a soul? It's, it's different. It's different. They have life. And I believe that comes from the Lord. But you have an eternal, you're an eternal being. Significantly different. Somebody said, aren't dogs going to heaven? I, don't know. I had somebody prove it to me recently. I know Jesus rides out of heaven on a, on, an, on a white horse. I know that. So I guess there's horses there. So he says, there's cats there too because he's a lion in the tribe of Judah. So I know there's cats out in that place too. Look at your notes. An unborn child, an unborn child is a human being. An unborn child is a human being. The only difference between you and me and an unborn child is the fact that you had time to grow and you ate some food. Okay, maybe some of us ate more food than others. We've had time to grow. That is the only difference. And when you look, I mean, I could have nurse, nurse, Minister Nurse Jan come up and talk about, you know, the whole gestation period and how... How at three months, there's brain waves at three months. They can experience, sorry. They can experience pain at three months. Fingernails. They recoil from pain at three months already. What is a heartbeat and how long? How long? Heartbeat is six to eight weeks, there's a heartbeat. An unborn child is a human being. Some scripture for you. Jeremiah 1 and 4. Word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb. That's before. So before the seed of man and the seed of the woman connect, and there's impregnation before that. So before that, he knew you. That's what that says. Before you were in your womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nation. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. One of the things I would love to do in my family as we had our children was I would love to look at my wife, especially as she got um, more and more full term. I was going to say big, but that's not good. You don't want to say that? More and more full term. And I noticed something with all of our children as they came. As she grew, so did I. I was just kind of like, together we grew. But, I mean, is it just me? Have you ever seen the radiance of a pregnant woman? You know why I think that is? I got a theory. My theory is that the Lord's like, look what the Lord has done. Knit one, pearl two. Knit one, pearl two. I think he's knitting. <laughs> 
I think he's all at work in the womb putting the baby together. And they're just like, oh, the Lord, he's knitting a baby. He's making a human being. So many more scriptures. I love the scripture about Elizabeth, her son, John the Baptist. He leaps in the womb for joy at Mary's greeting there in the book of Luke. Filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. So how could we, how could we be doing what we're doing in America? How, how, could, how could these laws even like, how, how could it happen? Well, it's a very clear assignment from an Antichrist spirit. And the assignment is to redefine personhood. Is to open the floodgates of hell. You say, has that ever happened before? Oh, oh, absolutely, it has happened before. Hitler depersonalized the Jews. And he used words like this. They're useless eaters, Jews, should be extinguished because they're subhuman. They're not right. We need to get rid of the scourge of the Jews. Now, we're hearing that, and we know about the millions of Jews he killed he defiled the whole nation of Germany, an archetypal defilement over, over Germany, and got a whole group of people. You say, well, not everybody was thinking that way. That's probably true. But those in power, and they, they allowed for it, and caused millions of Jews to be killed because they were considered subhuman. Now, that was a demonic assignment, clearly, and it's a demonic assignment that's on our nation now regarding abortion. We've, we've done that kind of thing in our nation before. He said, no, we haven't. We didn't, we didn't do that. We, we freed the Jews. No, no, yeah, I know. I know. Um, you look into that history a little bit. I think we could have done things a little bit quicker. Has anybody ever heard of the Dred Scott decision? Okay, so let me educate you. And a lot of the, listen, they're trying to rewrite our history book. So in 1857, and you can Google this, there's a, how, come on, how many of my African-American brothers and sisters know what the Dred Scott decision is? Because you ought to. Okay. The Dred Scott decision was one of the, it, in fact, yeah, it, it, it's along the same lines as abortion. It was one of the single worst Supreme Court decisions in the history of America. And so let me, let me just read to you. This Dred, this Dred Scott decision, formally, it's Dred Scott versus John F.A. Sanderford. The legal case in the Supreme Court of March 6, 1857, ruled 7 to 2 that a slave, Dred Scott, who resided in the free state and territory where slavery was prohibited, was not thereby entitled to his freedom. That African Americans, listen, this is, this is heinous. This is demonic. That African Americans were not and could not ever be citizens of the United States and that the Missouri Compromise of 1820, which declared free territories west of Missouri and north of latitude 36 degrees, 30 degrees, was unconstitutional. The decision added fuel to the sectional controversy and pushed the country closer to civil war. Basically, blacks were considered property. Now, how, 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 is, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, 
Let me read this to you. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Well, I guess you'd have to circle we. Who is we? Now, I do believe that God was behind the writing of our Constitution. And even though there were slave owners and people in that signed that and penned it, Jefferson, the we, if you were to circle that and say, well, who is the we? They were mostly... No, sorry. They were all white males, all of them, and many of them slave owners. So when they say we, they're, talk, they're talking about possibly them. Unless by God and his providence, there was an, an expansion. And I haven't done a whole bunch of study on that for this, but I'm just saying. When you look at the we, it's, it's really, I believe, intended by God that it would be we mankind. And what's used here is all men are created equal. That's all men. And maybe some back then didn't see black people as men because they were perverted and they were distorted and they were even demonized. Nevertheless, in the Constitution of the United States of America, it says all men are created equal. And the truth is personhood happens at conception. All men and women are created equal. But if you can dumb down society and say that that's not a person and use things like, um, words like fetus and uh, uterine cellular mass. Well, that's a uterine cellular mass. Then it's not a baby. They, They do everything you can to pull themselves away from that. Listen, if we start voting in law, we already have voted in, we need to see it removed. We need to see it removed. And there's all kinds of arguments, but you, listen, you cannot argue against, you start allowing for that, and it's already happened, then euthanasia, then you start trying to give definition to what a human being is, watch out, because Christians will be on the list soon, just like Jews were. And then, and then what, then if you're on a respirator, then that's not vi- viability? I mean, we've had people, I stood over a, I stood over a Samoan man who, a young man who broke his neck in a football accident. I was so on fire. They called the church and they said, can you send somebody? And they said, they said Daniel, can you? It was before I was a pastor. I was a, a life group leader. I happened to be there when the call came in and everybody was doing stuff. And it was a part of the territory that I was over there, a district. And so I went, and I, I've told the story before. I took my Benny Hinn CD. Every time I'd listen to this particular Benny Hinn CD, the glory of God would come on me. So I think that's going to work. I'll take it. I'm going, and this guy's going to get up. And I went and stood over this Samoan young man with a broken neck, and I imagined it all the way there. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm so full of faith. And he's in, he's in the, you know, the, the, what's it called? You know, the inner, inner ICU. Thanks. He's in ICU. I, and so I have my little boom box. You remember those? They don't have those anymore. But I had a CD, and I have the cord, and I have my Bible under my hand. And I, I walk into the ICU, and I just said to them, I'm here to pray for him. He's going to get a miracle. And they said, um, okay. I said, great, thank you. I mean, I came in owning the hospital. Do you understand? I walked in like I knew it was going to happen. And there's the family, and they're all weeping, and Johnny's in a coma, and, you know, the doctors say it's bad, and things are shutting down, and he's on a tube, and all that. And I said, no, no, I'm going to pray. 
Jesus has sent me. I mean, I'm like totally bold, bold, bold. And I put on my little CD player and I said, we're going to worship for a while. Then I'm going to raise him up out of his, I mean like that, right? Okay, so I play it and that moment comes, crescendo comes, you know. I just feel the glory just like I did in my prayer time. And I don't know what it was, but I stood up on a chair. Some of the greatest miracles I've gotten is when I stood up on a chair. I have no theology for that. I just want to get higher than everything else or something. I don't know. So I stood up on a chair over the bed. The nurse is looking through the glass. In the name of Jesus, rise! In Jesus' name, rise! And I'm like, I take a look. <laughs> Nothing happening. I said in the name of Jesus, you'll come out of your coma. You're going to give your heart to Christ. You're going to get saved. I look, nothing. And everybody's like, yes, nothing's happening. And so, so I figured I need to lead him to Christ first. So I, I, I led him in the sinner's prayer, and we saw a tear. I saw a tear come down the side of his face. I'm like, that's it. He had to get saved first. Now, now, Minister Barry, now he's getting up. In the name of, rise, like, let, in Jesus' name, come forth. And I fixed my hair. I had hair back then. Nothing happened that I could tell. And I stayed until I was embarrassed, like embarrassed. I'd be like, some miracles happen, you know, later. Amen. Yeah. And so God's at work. My faith was like nearly shattered. And I'm just like, don't worry. It's, God's going to do it. And I packed my little bag. I was like, do you know what happened? I walked out of there questioning my faith. And a questioning healing, I didn't question your salvation. But I'm like, what about, what about it? I prayed the prayers. I turned the thing. God, really? I'm like, okay, you're still good. I don't understand it. Whatever. Three days later, he got up. Three days later, he got up, and they called me to the hospital. And the guy, the kid, told me, I heard everything you were saying. I heard everything you were saying. Do you know that God called him into the ministry? And last check, which was quite a long time ago, last check, he was serving God on fire and in the ministry. What if we define personhood by a viability and just so he can't breathe on his own right now? How about that? How if we plug, pulled the plug? He's married, got kids now. Well, babies are human beings made in the image of God. And if you dehumanize all of life, which is what the devil's trying to do, right back in your notes, then we have a big problem. In fact, listen, women have become sex, sexual objects. Everything's sold with sex. And women have simply become sexual objects. See, once you take away, listen very closely to this statement. Once you take away the responsibility that's produced through the sexual act between a man and a woman, you're in serious, serious trouble. Let me say that again. Once you remove the responsibility of the union between a man and a woman, which should take place under the covenant of marriage, meaning you're so significant to God and to that man, that woman, that that act is so holy that it should happen with one person the rest of your life under the covenant of death to, till death do we part. That's how important that is. What about divorce? That's a separate issue. God allows for divorce, but still, you're not to have multiple 
multiple marriages, serial marriages. And I should have serial. I, I talked to this guy, and he's famous. I won't tell you his name, but famous evangelist, long time ago. We don't have him come to our church anymore overall, worldwide. And he's famous. I'm like, Major, you know him. The reason we don't have him is one reason. He's on his third wife, okay? And the reason he's on his third wife is the other two wives just couldn't flow together with him in ministry. What kind of moronic? It's all about him. He'll stand before the judgment for it. She couldn't flow together with me in the ministry. I'm thinking, um, that is your first ministry, you knucklehead. Is knucklehead bad, Pastor Karen? At least I didn't say idiot, right? Amen. Or stupid or something like that. Sex is for three reasons, and you might want to write this down. One, it's supposed to take place in the order uh, under, the, under the canopy and the covenant relationship between a man, a woman, and God, right? In fact, they're trying to call other things marriage. I love what Pastor Vince said a while back. He said, you're going to have to call it something else because there's only one thing marriage is, and it's defined by God, and it's between a man and a woman. So you, you're going to have some other union. You can't call it marriage. You have to call it something else. And, of course, that's in contrast to what God's word is in truth. Man and woman that get married, sex is for three reasons. Everybody say three reasons. Okay, number one, not necessarily in order. Pleasure. Got one healthy person on the front row. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come on, give me an Amen. Listen, if you don't hear about sex in church, I mean, where are you? You're turning red. Where are you going to hear about it? Now, I know we have kids here. That's as far as I'm going to go. But listen, you need to have the conversation. It was much healthier back in those agrarian days when we had farms and stuff. Because kids could be like, what's that sheep doing, Dad? Well, son, uh, uh, we had chickens a while back. And uh, I had the chat with my boy. And, you know, that's, that's a bygone era now. That they're usually finding out in public school, not my kids. Hannah figured it out by cross-referencing stuff when she was like nine. Brought in a stack of books. Dad, I just want you to know I know how babies are made. I'm like, what? Nine. She Nine. I'm like, oh, yeah, no. What? She's all, I'm reading this book, and she shows me. And I said, I didn't understand that word, so I put out the encyclopedia, and I cross-referenced this, and I look over here, and, and I, I know. I thought, oh, God. I was just like, I put my hand in their head. I said, are you okay? She says, I think it's really weird. I said, yeah, yeah, okay, let me pray for you. It's okay. Father, <laughs> what? that's too early. It wasn't even from a phone. It was just from her intelligence and knowing how to cross from She's a smart girl. You know, Daniel later in life, and I was concerned he's going to hear it, you know, from someone, someone, one of his friends, a youth group or something. Hello? And so, no, we need to, I'm like, we need to have the talk. It's like awkward. I don't want to have it. But I'm like, I want to have it as opposed to somebody else having it. And we had chickens. We had chickens. 
We had how many chickens do we have? Too many. And, uh, and we had roosters. And we had one rooster that really, I don't know, he had issues. He's extra aggressive all the time. Yeah. My wife said, my wife said that rooster was an addict. No, I mean, like, all the hens were missing all their, fur, all their feathers off their backs. And it was just like, <laughs> I mean, that rooster was insane. That rooster was crazy. <laughs> we got to, he needs to be fixed. He's a pervert. God, you got to help him. And so I remember the rooster doing his thing, and my son's standing there, and we're there, and the rooster is just like, you know, it was insane. It was very aggressive. And my, my son's like, Dad? I'm like, yeah. What's he doing? <laughs> He's, uh... They're, uh... <laughs> they're making other chickens is what they're doing. They're, oh, is that how they're made? I'm like, yeah, it's part of the process. He's like, okay. So we watched, and that was the end of it. Time goes on, and I'm thinking, and it's like it's time. I'm feeling the Lord press me, but I'm uncomfortable with it. You gotta sow some humor into an abortion message. It's gonna get very serious by the end, so enjoy this moment. <laughs> so we go rabbit hunting. We didn't find any rabbits. Some of you think I'm gonna use a rabbit story, but I'm not. We go, we go rabbit hunting, and. Um, I'm like, all right, uh, Daniel, just want to talk to you about um, how babies are made. He's all, what? I'm like, yeah, all right. So I explained everything to him, detailed. And he says, huh. All right. Whoa. Oh, it's like the chickens. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> kind of. He says, oh. I said, all right, let me pray for your father in Jesus' name. <laughs> What a beautiful thing in this day and age to have that conversation with your children. It's the way it should be. It's the way it was. It wasn't that way for me. I learned in other ways. But sex is, sex is to be in marriage. It's for pleasure. If it was painful, you ain't going to have a bunch of children. I'm just telling you. Right? Can you imagine if God, like, made it really difficult and painful? Yeah, no, that, that's not the way that's supposed to be. So it's for pleasure. Number two, we better quickly move on to number two. Some of you guys are getting uncomfortable in the service. Number two, it's for procreation. It's for making children. Children. And number three, which most people have no clue about, it's what we would call oneness. The act between a married couple, are you all okay? Is one of the greatest acts of spiritual warfare you can do as a married couple. Now, if your life is not healthy and there's all kinds of... Um, if you don't have a healthy life in that way, then you need to get help and get some counsel. There, it provides a covering for the man and for the woman. It keeps you safe. Some of you don't understand that. Ladies, don't. we're like in a marriage 101 here. Don't, don't withhold because he didn't take out the trash or something. That's just stupid. Does that, does that say stupid? Moronic. Is that better? It's not good. Don't do that. And then try to control him with that. 
And don't, men, don't do that with her either. Don't play games with that. It's holy and it's sacred. If you destroy the dehumanizing of all life, it brings women to become sexual objects, and honestly, men too. And what happens is we'll begin to, uh, euthanasia begins to rise, because then you can basically kill anybody, because soon they'll be defining you and me. I have, uh, and I'll, I'll try not to choke too bad right here, but how people who don't get healing in that area end up tormented in their life. And I'm certainly not going to have you raise your hand or anything, but let me just say, if you've been through an abortion, you need healing. And you need to, the only thing that can heal you is by receiving the blood of Jesus as an atonement for that sin, which is murder. Other sins are not like murder. Most men are totally oblivious. Even with miscarriages, miscarriages are difficult for, for people. I've counseled and tried to help people. One who, after going through an abortion, lied on their bed, beating themselves, which was not a normal behavior for her because she hated herself for what she did, even though wasn't a Christian but knew that she killed somebody anyway hated herself for it. I've seen people going in so bold to go get an abortion and they come out, they're crying and they're broken and they're never the same. I don't know how they are now. That was, you know, before I found Jesus. As a pastor, I've counseled and tried to help people. My wife and I have helped people get past that. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, you just have to receive healing and forgiveness and you have to ask Jesus into that place and forgive yourself and let it go and know that, that God is... I believe God takes all those babies home. Listen, I, I was talking to some pastor. I almost got, I, I mean, I, I got angry. The guys tell me, oh, I don't believe aborted babies go to heaven. I was like, what kind of, what Bible are you? I just like, okay, I'm not even talking to you. Whatever, you don't believe in the spirit. And you're a cessationist. God help you. I was going to get angry. <laughs> I snuck that in just kind of right there. I mean, I, how could you not believe that a loving God would take a human being home if it was... It, before the age of accountability. Right. So I believe that, in fact, there's one lady that gone, went through abortion, and um, she just couldn't get free. Even she believed that Jesus forgave her, tried to process all of that. And then she had a dream one night. And in the dream, she went to heaven. And she saw this little baby boy playing ball with Jesus. And uh, in her dream, Jesus came over to her and said, that's your, that's your son. And she cried and cried and cried. And the little boy came and hugged her, seven years old. And she woke up from the dream, completely healed of all the anxiety and the pain. Come on, Jesus can heal you. All right, what do we, what do we got to do? Let me bring this to a close here. Uh, I think one of the things for sure is we have to vote for people that are pro-life. Somebody said, I'm, not, I'm into economic issues. I'm not into social issues. Well, let me just tell you something. We don't fix the social problem 
you hadn't yet seen the economic problem that will come. Because when you break God's law, then you're going to come under the curse. God can fix any economy if he gets his people right. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and fast and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then he will heal their land. God can heal economics. God can turn things around. He can call renewable energy and a break out of all kinds of stuff. But if you've got the core of it wrong, then you're under a curse. And so I, I, I don't believe in voting party lines, and you're not going to hear me talk much about that, Republican, Democrat, Independent. I believe, I believe we need to vote as Christians on the issues and what's right biblically. You'll stand before God. We'll all stand before God for how, how we vote. So there's no perfect candidate. For sure, you're not perfect, neither am I. It's no perfect church either. If you find it, don't go there because you'll ruin it. But we need, to, we need to vote and keep our conscience right before the Lord by voting the issues. So social issues do make a difference because it's whether you're going to have God's blessing or not on a country and on your home. See, so, yeah, I, I believe you can affect the, the blessing of God on your home by voting the wrong way. And the biggest things for me in voting, and you do, you, you, you'll stand before God just like I will. I'm just telling you, like, as, as your pastor, I'm telling you what I see in Scripture as right. The biggest issues have been abortion and same-sex marriage. Those are the two biggest issues. Period. It's not about the economy. What about the economy? I want the economy to prosper too. Come on. Hello. But it's abortion and same-sex marriage. And that's not, you know, part, it's not party lines. Well, I voted, I voted this way all my life. Well, you've got you to vote the issues. And uh, I, I just believe that. That's what I believe. What do you believe? That's what I believe as a Christian. And um, we have to do what we can to stop abortion. I said we have to do what we can to stop abortion. How do you do that? By, by bringing awareness like I'm doing tonight, preaching to you. And I hope this goes all over the place. And Listen, if you would, you get on. Let, let's save some babies. You want to save some babies? Can we save some babies tonight? When this finished broadcast, you could even do it now. You go on Facebook. You like, like the broadcast right now. And then you comment and say whatever you like that's nice. You don't have something nice to say? Come on, your mama told you to. Don't say anything at all. Say something nice and share it. And let's push this thing because a lot of people have no idea, even Christians. It's not taught. It's not taught. It's just not. Let's push this thing. We can push it. Like, comment, and share. Everybody say it. Like, comment, share. And make that thing travel. Why? Because babies are in the balance. We've... Uh, we're going to go to the next level of supporting an, an organization here in the Valley called HeartReach. And uh, we're excited about that. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're pregnant or maybe uh, you know someone that's pregnant and is not sure about what they're going to do with the baby. And, or maybe you'll come in contact with somebody. You can send them to us. We'll help you. You can connect them with, with, um, you can connect them with HeartReach. There's all kinds of programs and, and counseling. And there's all kinds of amazing options. Do what you can to stop abortion. By like, comment, and sharing, I think that's in a, a way of stopping abortion. Why? Because somebody could hear this simple message that your bald-headed pastor is preaching right now. And it could slip the truth in, and then maybe we could save a baby and realize, wait, this is a human being. Is that possible? Oh, it's very possible. It really is. And lastly, lastly, pray. Everybody say pray.
I've been doing a study, and I'll just take a few moments, and then we'll close in prayer. DJ, would you come up on those keys for me, please? Appreciate you. I've been doing a study on, uh, on dominion and uh, walking in power and authority. And um, I just can't get away from some of this, and I, I just want to touch on it to increase your faith because we're going to pray. I want to pray aggressively for the overthrowing of Roe versus Wade. That's what we're going to pray for because in the next few days, it could be that these Supreme Court justices vote and overthrow that thing. Since 1973, 60 million babies have been killed. So we could make a difference tonight. First of all, in Genesis 1 and 28, you'll see that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves in the earth. God gave Adam and Eve dominion. His dominion, the dominion that Adam and Eve gave, was forfeited through their sin. Their sin forfeited the title deed to the earth. That's why Satan, follow along closely please, that's why Satan is called the God of this age. And so when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, devil, it is recorded in one of the Gospels that Satan comes and he says to him, if you be the Son of Man, if you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you be the Son of God, he brings up on a, on a pinnacle of the temple. If you be the Son of God, do this. And then he brings him high up onto a mountain and he says, if you be the Son of God, it's the third temptation of Jesus. All of these kingdoms of the earth have been given to me, and I give them to whomever I will. Only bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, no way. And he ran and responds with scripture. When I first read that as a young believer, I thought, oh, what a liar, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But in actual fact, the devil was telling the truth for maybe the first time in his life right there. He actually mixes truth with lies. It's one of the ways he brings deception. So when he says, all of these kings have been given to me and I give it to whomever I will, bow down and worship me, Satan is looking for worship. And he's trying to offer all of these kingdoms to the Lord as a shortcut to the cross. Because all the kingdoms are going to be the Lord's and turned over in the millennial reign. It's all his anyway. But there's a process that he had to move through called death and resurrection and fulfillment of all the scriptures. When Adam failed, sin came into the world through Adam. It says in the New Testament that Jesus is the last Adam. It says as sin entered in through one man, it left through another to all who believe on him. He gave them the right to become children of God. Not everybody is a child of God. He made everybody. They were all knit together in the womb. But you only are grafted into his kingdom by believing on, repenting for your sin, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you're saved. Translated in 1 Peter, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When you realize that you've been translated out of darkness into the light, it ought to bring to your awareness that you have authority. You're not of the world. Let me ask you, where are you? Oh, forget it. Go to Revelation quickly. Revelation chapter 12. 
Revelation 12. Revelation 12, one of my favorite scriptures. And then I want you to find Ephesians chapter 2. So find Revelation 12 first. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and loved not their lives so much as to shrink from death. How many of you know that scripture? We've preached on it. It's a recipe for overcoming darkness, the demonic. It's a recipe for overcoming the Antichrist. It's like the, it's a game-winning play after it's all gone down. Let me take it from verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice. Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And they're all articles in front of those, which means thou, now the salvation. There's only one. The, the strength, the power, the kingdom of our God. The power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, which accused him day and night, has been cast down. Verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The word of their testimony did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, listen closely now, and I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with the Scripture, so bear with me. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you. Let me ask you this. Where do you dwell as a Christian? Think about it. Don't answer right away. Where do you dwell? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm at 1701 North Luzeal Street. Well, that's true. But there's a duality. There's a duality to, to your existence. Right? Because Christ has come on the inside, come into your heart through, through faith. And, and you're in Christ and he's in you. If you read Colossians, in him, in whom, you start understanding there's an identity about you that's absolutely supernatural. Come on, the old is gone, the new has come. You're a new creature, you're a new creation. Greater is he that lives on the inside of you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Go to Ephesians chapter uh, 2. So when you got saved, you were translated out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, I changed my mind. Go to, we'll, we'll go to Ephesians maybe, but go to Colossians first. Colossians 1. Rejoice, O you in the heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to you in the earth, for the devil's come down to you. Verse 13 of Colossians 1. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed, another version says, translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 now. All of the world wants to push you, to reduce you, to get you to think that you're just a little worm groveling around for your next piece of dirt and that hopefully God's going to come and rescue you one day. I'm going to tell you, Ephesians chapter 2, if you're all there, say amen. In Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the most profound passages. In fact, the whole book of Ephesians is one of my favorites. Verse 6, verse 4, 
But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin or trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, by grace you have been saved, verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show his exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it was the gift of God. So where do you dwell? Most Christians think of themselves as living in the earth. I do my very best not to live here. I try to live according to the Spirit. I try to live in Christ. Him and me, I'm in Him. I'm seated in heavenly places. Understand that the sin that came through the first Adam left through the last Adam, not in its fullness now. It's not in its fullness. The fullness of His kingdom will come. There are those that have taught that His fullness of His kingdom is now. I don't believe that. The fullness of his kingdom will come, but we operate far beneath our God-given, blood-bought dominion. Stand up on your feet. I'm telling you tonight as a united people of God, having his word, making a decree, making a proclamation, I believe that we can change our nation. I believe that we can change our families. I believe that we can change our state. I believe that we can change our borough. I believe that we can change anything God puts us to because we have God. God is with us. Who can be against us? His will will be done. Amen. If you agree touching anything in the earth in my name, it shall be done. Plain and simple, murdering babies is not the will of God. And I pray right now. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, come on, pray. I pray right now. Come on, online, join with me. I pray right now in agreement. That the murder of innocent children would cease in the name of Jesus as your ambassador, as your minister of reconciliation, as a man of God, a woman of God, as the people of God brought out of darkness into the light, we exercise our authority and in the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus, we pray now. Visit every one of those Supreme Court justices. And Lord, bring an overthrowing of Roe versus Wade. I want everybody in the sound of my voice to agree. Knock on the window and get the people's attention in the lobby. In the name of Jesus, we agree right now for an overthrowing of the murder of innocent children in the name of Jesus. It would no longer be the law of the land. I pray that New York would reverse its decision. I pray that Virginia would reverse its decision. I pray that you would move in power in Louisiana and at the Supreme Court level, release the fear of the Lord. Release the fear of the Lord. Release the fear of the Lord in the name of Jesus. That there would be an overthrowing of Roe versus Wade in Jesus' name. Now pray in the spirit if you have that freedom. Come on, lift your voice. (laughs) 
And I pray that there would be solutions. I pray there would be a tremendous wave of adoption. I pray, God, that these babies would find homes. Lord, they wouldn't be in, in, uh, in uh, orphanages and filling orphanages. No, there would be godly homes that would take them. And I pray on a deeper level that the family and the destruction of the father and the mother and the unity of the family would be reversed and that people would learn about covenant relationships and the responsibility of sex and these beautiful children made in your image. We plead the blood of Jesus and we ask you, God, to forgive our nation and reverse Roe v. Wade. Reverse Roe v. Wade. Reverse Roe v. Wade. Say it with me. Reverse Roe v. Wade in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, shout to God. Amen. Heavy word. Over the next few days, I challenge you to do an Esther fast. My friend Lou Engel called one. I'm going to agree with him. Esther fasted for these days before she went in to see the king and had favor. Could it be that if we'll fast and we'll pray over these next three days that the decree that we just released, which, by the way, is being made and has been made by many for, since it was since 1973, could it be that it'll be overthrown because Alaska will just do their part? Come on, would you do your part? You let the Lord speak to you. Come on, let him lead you. You say, I just finished fasting. I know. That made it just, just easy to go right back into one. Let's go for three days. End of the weekend. I think by Friday or Saturday we'll have a decision from the Supreme Court. And I don't understand all of it. And I certainly haven't given you the full picture. I know there's more. If you're interested, you want to study that, go, go read. But don't believe everything you read. Just know that babies are from God. And we need to protect them. Amen? Amen. Did you get something from Jesus? Hallelujah. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't leave this place in that condition. There really is a place called hell, and it wasn't created for you. And there really is a place called heaven. That was created for you. And even in the garden, as we were talking about the fall of mankind, God made a way. He said the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan, talking about the Messiah. There would come one, the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And he came for 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin, walked the earth for 33 and a half years, showed what the Father was like in doing miracles and signs and wonders, and declared over and over and over again the plan of salvation to us in accordance with the Old Testament types and shadows. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Acts, if you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. What is that about? That's about realizing that your sin... You'll be held accountable for it. And unless you repent, your sin remains. And if you die in that condition, then nothing you can expect except judgment under condemnation, which is called hell. So I thought, do we get judged as believers too? Uh-huh. But you get to stay in heaven, and there's rewards and suffering loss. I don't really understand that. There's no tears. It's a bit of a mystery to me. But let me just tell you right now, you don't want to go to hell. There's people that have had visitations of hell. You, you don't want to go there. You said, oh, I'm living in hell now. No, you're not. It's a whole lot worse. Lazarus, you know, beg, send, send, 
Send one of my brothers. Send Abraham to come touch my tongue with a drop. Please, please. No, nope, can't cross the abyss. He said, well, then send somebody to my brother so they end up down here. If you're not right with God, every head bowed, every eye closed, you're online. Get right with him today, won't you? You said, that's me, Pastor. Thank you for your honesty. Give your life to Jesus. Live for him with all your days. You'll never regret it. Pray this prayer if you want to get right with God. And recommitment, or maybe for the first time, you've never prayed a prayer like this, just go ahead. I'll lead you. Pray with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, fill, touch, bless, release your power. There's a number of people here. You've gone through abortion and you remember the pain of that. And the Lord wants to take it from you. I'm not going to call you up front. I would never do that. But right now I pray, maybe online, right now I pray, the healing power of God. Lord, you were crucified for that. And as there's been a confession now, an admission of wrongdoing, I pray, heal. The Lord is, the Lord is healing. There's some women here, and you need healing in your, in your female body. The Lord is healing you now. I speak the word of faith, be healed. I speak, Lord, over men who have partnered and feel the guilt of that. I pray, heal every man that's carrying that right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for, for each and every person that experienced a loss or maybe a loss of a brother or a sister that was aborted, that you'd heal them now. I pray for healing for families, mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. And I pray and proclaim that from this house, you'll raise up strong families, strong marriages, children that serve the Lord and impact the mountains of influence in our state and in our nation. I pray and proclaim that from this place, you'll raise up an army of blood-washed, righteous praying, living for you, filled with the love of God, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Army. Raise them up, God. Out of the King's School of Ministry. Raise them up out of our own homes. Raise them up. Bring them here to be equipped. Use us. I'm asking that you would receive your full inheritance from Alaska in the body of Christ that all that you have intended for us, you would bring to fulfillment. And God, we thank you. We praise you just for a moment. Lift your voice and just worship him. Come on, two more minutes. Service is over.
Give me a little volume on those keys, please, especially in my monitor. We speak life. We speak life today in Jesus' name. We pray for that young one that's considering abortion. Lord, we cover now. Lord, do miracles in the high school. Do miracles, Lord, through these ones that aren't old enough to even to make a decision, Lord. We speak life. That hopelessness would go. I pray for the brokenhearted, Lord, for the orphan. Lord, for widows. Release your healing touch. The Lord is healing people. If you feel God's presence and power on you right now, not an admission of abortion or anything like that. I'm telling you, He wants to heal knees and backs, ankles, broken hearts. If you feel God's presence on you right now, respond, come to the front quickly. Quickly come. Quickly come. Lift your hands. Holy Ghost, let your fire come. God's power is here. I said God's power is here. That's it. Receive. And through you, come on back. And through you, you will see an increase in miracles, says the Lord. For miracles are going to flow through your hands. Miracles are going to flow through you, says God. I'm going to give you the gift of the working of miracles. And as you work them, you'll see greater and greater release of my fire, my power, my anointing. Even in counsel, I'm giving you a spirit of counsel, says the Lord. Receive it now. Holy Ghost. Let the Lord touch you. children serving God. Yes. Healed and whole. Whoa. Hallelujah. Healed and whole. Yes, Healed and whole. Healed and whole. The Lord says I'm going to elevate your influence and I'm going to raise you up. I don't understand this, but I see like your name before a council or before a, a like a board and I'm granting you favor. And it's for my purposes. And in that hour and in that time, you'll speak. And I see you speaking to those who are a little bit dull of hearing. Because it's a spiritual condition. For the devil comes to blind. And I see like scales falling from their eyes through conversational miracles. Miracles in conversation. As you're sharing. The Lord's going to do the very thing that you asked Him to. Don't be weary. It's on the way. Lord, quicken it now. Fire. Whoa. Hallelujah. 
Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Release your healing touch. Power of the Holy Ghost on you, son. Three, two. Be healed. righteousness even against it and as you find yourself now in your life this new life things are budding though it's winter in the natural the Lord shows me spiritually things springing up from the ground all over the place that which is dead is going to live again says the Lord and you will dance and rejoice and be mightily used by me I'm putting grace upon your lips to speak and even to sing for more is on the inside of you than you are aware of. For I redeemed you, says the Lord, for such a time as this. There's a prophetic mantle that God has for you. Even when you were a young girl, you used to see things, know things. And the Lord says, I'm coming to awaken, even this night, your dream life. And you will dream the dreams of heaven. And I will give you insight and speak to you in the secret place. And I'll give you keys of knowledge and wisdom and raise you up because your voice is needed in this hour. Your voice is needed in this generation. And I see you even speaking to younger ones and releasing that prophetic word, releasing those dreams. Give yourself to the time of discipleship and training. Commit yourself to it. And as you do, there'll come a great exponential growth that'll cause much praise in heaven, says the Lord. Holy Touch right now. Touch right now. You are. You 
great I am. You are Lord. Come on, just a few more moments, and our service is over. Dance of peace. celebrate your goodness and declare your kingdoms at hand. And we will, God, be faithful to the call. We'll be faithful to stand up for righteousness in social media and every other place. I pray for your power, your unction, your anointing to come across this house. Those online, empower us, God. Release the empowerment of heaven to touch lives and to communicate the love of God. The people would be translated just like you did for us. Give us souls. Raise up an army of disciples. Fill the King's School of Ministry. On Thursdays, Lord, give us an army of people working in evangelism. Oh, God, thank you for the overthrowing of Roe versus Wade. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. If you didn't get prayer and you'd like it, you just come to the front and one of our pastors or ministers will minister to you. I'll pray for you.